0: Hello, welcome to episode 134 of Riot Act, the alternative music podcast with me, Stephen Hill, and him, the dirty old man, oh yes, oh no, titty you not, Renfri Dedman. Hello, Renfri. <laughs> oh dear, hello. Um,
1: <laughs> people aren't going to know what that is referring to because no. it's not come out yet. But yes. No, they but,
0: but you, you do know. Um do. Basically, yeah. I'll tell, fuck it, I'll tell him, I'll tell him, I'll ruin mm. the, the joke that's coming in the future for him. Yeah. Um, if the long-time listeners will know that we used to do something called Broken Records, where we search for the worst record ever made, and we've decided to take that from this part of the main show, and it's going to get its own show. And we recorded the first one of this new thing that we're doing the other day, and it was a reference to that, basically. Mm. We did Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, the original soundtrack of the 1978 movie, starring the Bee Gees, Frankie Howard, Steve Martin, George Burns, and Alice Cooper. Obviously. Yeah.
1: Isn't it amazing I mean, how shit films can be, Steve? <laughs>
0: <laughs> isn't it but Isn't it amazing how even after we've recorded that, I still find myself thinking about it and listening to it. <laughs> it's the funniest thing I've ever seen. I mean, if you thought Captain Rock and the Rock Boys was funny, mm. fucking hell. Oh, <laughs> Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band is unbelievable. Mm. Um, so that's coming at some point. That's mm-hmm. a little while away. But we'll get it out as soon as possible. I'll tell you what's happening right now, though. Uh, On the show this week, we're going to be reviewing new music from Nick Cave and Warren Ellis, Arab Strap, King Gizzard, and the Lizard Wizard, and Tiger's Jaw. It's a very, very strong week for music. Mm. Yes. I'll say that before we go any further. So, you know, if if the idea of us being positive about things frightens you, time to turn off straight (laughs) away. Uh, We do, before we go any further, we should say, as always, a big thank you to our friends over at Signature Brew. They, the music industry... Uh, i was gonna say obsessed but they're not i don't think they're obsessed with music particularly are they just very very helpful i think we can advertise them like that can't we their their brand is in conjunction with their love of music i don't know if that makes them obsessed i think we'd call ourselves
1: music obsessives and uh, i think they're in the same camp so no i think that's all right
0: Hmm. okay good well yeah the music obsessed guys over at signature brew who they're, have they're spent mad. a lot of they they just get over <laughs> yourselves they've spent 10 years brewing beers about and for and regarding and towards and related to music so you labored you know, that, that point that's pretty well, it sounds pretty obsessive to me. I just want to hammer home how obsessed they are. I don't think about anything else. <laughs> Get a home life, guys. Come oh, yeah. on. So, yeah. Um, yeah, we. Uh, most weeks I talk about the socially distanced walk that I do with my mate Stu yes. and the drink that we had. Had a coffee porter with him last night. Ooh. And I'll tell you what, we op- he opened that coffee porter. He's never had it before. And he let out an audible squeal of glee. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even making it up, he actually did. He actually went, oh. He, oh. he, he really went oh no yes um yeah I went for <laughs> you water dirty old to porter <laughs> uh yeah he, he fucking loved that shit good i, I mean it's, it's a good one that so anyway go over to signaturebrew.co.uk you can see the many plethora of alcoholic and non-alcoholic beverages that they do over there and they're all delicious i have to say do you know what i Remember think Your friend. up
1: do you know what I think your friend Stu should do? I think he should right. go to the Signature Brew website and type in Raya Act uh, in the checkout, on in the code, uh, and mm. he'll get 10% off of all his purchases. So, I was about to say that. I know, but I thought I'd just, you know, you do it every week, so I just thought I'd, you know, make, no, it, uh, more, make it more conversational.
0: You know what I mean? Yeah but you've kind of killed the conversation stone dead by doing that i feel like you, you killed that? the conversation i feel like I, I've
1: <laughs> left, I feel like i threw you the ball and you just you didn't move your arms or anything so you know yeah
0: fine. keith Johnston's improv <laughs> book i think both renfrey and i have read that haven't we? <laughs> yes, uh, yes. one of us is not adhering to the rules of good improvisation yes one of us isn't and it and it's not renfrey <laughs> um sorry about that but anyway yeah top guys um Get, your, get 10% off all your beers. They're they're really nice. I've still mm. got a few. Mm-hmm. I'm sort of doing them one a day, one every other day when I go out for a walk or whatever. Oh, yeah. have a little slug on the street. Pro- <laughs> it's proven to be <laughs> slug on the quite, street. yeah, a little like slurp on the mm. I slurp it. I slurp yeah. my hands. Slurp's better than
1: slug. Slug sounds like you're just punching people randomly.
0: I know.
1: I know what you're referring to. I'm just saying it could be misconstrued. That's always picking up on something. aren't you? <laughs> Yes. Uh, anyway,
0: signaturebrew.co.uk put Riot Act in the checkout. You get 10% off. We're very, very delighted to be associated with them in any way. Thanks very much, guys, for your continued support. You're very nice. Um, over on our Patreon page this coming Monday, patreon.com forward slash Riot Act podcast. we got our special classic album podcast on the Smashing Pumpkins Siamese Dream, which Remfry mm-hmm. picked. Yep. That's coming out. That feels like a long time ago that we did that now. It really it? does. It's not.
1: Yeah, no, yeah. it isn't that long ago. But um, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm excited for people to hear that. Um, what a record. A record that has influenced so much of what I think both of us listen to now on the show yeah. here. You know, it's effectively... It's a shoegaze record in lots of ways, isn't it? You could argue. It is, um, mm. but yeah, what a band and what an album. We've not been, we've often had to talk about Pumpkins on the show, n- not in a particularly kind way, annoyingly. Um, yeah. So it's re- it was really nice to do like two and a half hours being like Billy Corgan's actually fucking brilliant, you know. Mm. So yeah, yeah,
0: really, really good. The next one coming after that is going to be the self-titled album by the Specials, as I revealed last week. And yeah. it, again, you know, really, really loved doing that and then after that i mean we still haven't actually decided what we're doing on classic albums after no. that but it'll be something it'll be something good i've i've i told you what one of my two picks are all oh, this basically just so you guys know it's all depends i've got two it all depends on what renfrey picks mm-hmm. this is how we work it mm. so that we keep them sort of different from each other
1: mm.
0: any clues uh, have it, no, have not even thought no, about No, I've
1: not thought about it in the slightest, no.
0: <laughs> I'm busy trying to launch is... a new
1: podcast, Steve.
0: And that is what I want. Wow, you know, <laughs> go on. sorry you can't multitask. <laughs> not my problem. Not my problem, is it? Yeah, go over to the Patreon page, as I said, patreon.com forward slash right act podcast for the five pound tier. That pumpkins one specials coming up. You know, as I said, every week we've got loads of other ones from the Pixies, the System of a Down, Foo Fighters, Lamb of God, Blur, Caving, Queens of Stone Age, Pink Floyd, Guns and Roses, The Beatles, Opeth, Gallows, Nick Cave, and Glassjaw, who are going to be our next rioters review. Yes. I believe Rimfree. Yeah, we've completed. We've we've completed Glassjaw. We just did. <laughs> um, dinosaur juniors below came out on our Patreon page page. Beyond, sorry, not below. Yeah, uh, Beyond just came out. Um, me and you chatting about Dinosaur Junior. That was quite a good laugh, on it? Mm,
1: yeah, really enjoyed that. And um, a record yeah. that neither you or I was familiar before uh, uh, with, with before. Um, and
0: uh, uh, it was nice to be acquainted with it. Well, so it was, much. yeah. And it was nice to talk about Dinosaur Junior, who are a band that we haven't really spoken about that much. And I think both of us um, kind of remembered how good they were.
1: Yeah, and they do have a new album coming out in April, I believe, so we will be talking yeah. about them a little bit more. We'll
0: definitely Rioter. be doing that. Yeah, yeah, it's given me a real want to do Dinosaur Junior. Um, And the next Riot Ears review coming out, as I mentioned, we're doing Colouring Book by Glassjaw, the Colouring Book EP, which means it's the final ever Glassjaw podcast we'll be doing on Riot Act. <laughs> Renfri has rinsed Glassjaw <laughs> like trying of get blood out of a stone and we finally have now we literally have nothing else to speak about when it comes to glass Door ever again <laughs> the uh the petition for an l mark classic
1: album starts here <laughs>
0: <laughs> mm. yeah i think that petition will get ignored yes <laughs> pretty, i, pretty I would struggle
1: i would struggle to make a classic album out of l mark as much as i like yeah yeah uh, so there you go uh
0: if you if you're interested in the completion of the glass Door discography by us then um that's coming soon yeah. uh, I mean you'd be better off starting a position for Glassdoor to do another album because that'll yeah. come out before we get a chance to actually ever speak about Glassdoor again the next time we talk about Glassdoor when is when the next album comes out which by my reckoning will be 2032 <laughs> I
1: mean it's not it's not it's not unassailable that would be that long no yeah it's been four Mm. years since material control so Mm. i'm not expecting anything anytime soon uh, uh for that band but yeah uh we shall see
0: we'll see we shall see all right um that's our patreon page go over and sign up thank you very much if you already do and we should talk about a few things last week we spoke about the possibility of mogwai getting to number one well guess what they did get to number one congratulations to them that's an amazing it's an amazing thing to see it's wicked mogwai at number one yeah like really that is that is pretty cool yeah i have to say it really we both said it before but like you know we don't usually get that like (sighs) kind of excitable or giddy about chart placings really but that's that's amazing you know like that's that's pretty fucking awesome and they were so
1: lovely and humble with it as well um they mm. were duking it out with gets um and uh gets sent a congratula- congratulatory t- tweet to mogwai um which was very nice of him and you know mogwai replied back and saying, thank you so much um your on your album's really good as well like it's really good competition kind of thing it was a really lovely sort of you know people when people are good sports you know mm-hmm. um uh, and it was really nice to see and yeah as i said last week i mean uh a band like Mogwai getting to number one after 25 years of um kind of sticking to what they do but still progressing with every album that's a really really cool thing to see um yeah. and there's another potentially cool chart entry this week as well isn't it mm-hmm. steve in the form of
0: Maximo Park. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Um, Architects, I think sit at number three on the midweek album chart. As we and we there's record, quite, yeah. there's, as we record. Yeah. And there's quite a big um, hoo ha again to get them to number one. I mean, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people have said with number one albums from bring me to the horizon uh, and you me at six already this year, then it'd be nice to get architects at number one. I think it would be, would be really nice to get Architects at number one, almost as nice as it would be for You at Six to, to have not had a number one <laughs> record. Um, <laughs> I actually find that You at Six getting a number one album in 2021 kind of depressing, to be honest, but that's by the by. Uh, yeah, it would be amazing. I would, I, you know, I know, obviously, I was a lot keener on the Architects record than you, but, mm. you know, anytime a heavy band are going for those kind of charting positions, I think is cool unless a band are morally reprehensible and there's no way even you know their staunchest critics could say architects are like a morally reprehensible band you know that's great
1: it's so cool i mean you know whichever way whether whether one likes it or not or whether one's just completely in the middle about it um you know architects are a heavy band they are a really heavy band and for a band that are as, as heavy as them to even be in the top 10 is a wicked thing to see so and something to be celebrated so yeah um it's 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 cool i'm i'm really happy i imagine do you think the number one spot is likely i I think they're probably a little way off the number one but number three seems comfortable for them i think
0: i'm i'm trying to remember who else because it is a they were saying it could be a brand new top five it's the most
1: downloaded Um, album of the week i know that much Right, which is just, Um, which is sort of that, which is kind of interesting in a way because obviously metal traditionally is you know it's all about physical sale and physical products. But I guess architects are kind of a different, more modern, young, younger form of metal. I'm not saying they're younger, but their demographic maybe is slightly younger, and maybe that's why it's representing more digital sales. I don't know. That that's purely speculative, and I'm picking that out. Yeah, (laughs) possibly. I mean,
0: possibly. I mean, I would imagine in comparison, you would think. That the, the um, that there was a lot of people who actually went. Well, I know there were a lot of people that went out and bought a physical copy of the Mogwai album, which I think probably.
1: Yep, I was one of those
0: people. <laughs> yeah, probably helped them to uh, to get to the position that they were at the time. I, I believe. Know, I, mean, I believe
1: the Architects album is um, just five pounds on i uh, not iTunes, Apple Music as well. So that might yeah. have helped, but like, almost certainly did help. Five. I mean, five they're out saying fifteen the, songs. Yeah,
0: there could be a brand new like five new entries going into the charts mm-hmm. that are all kind of vying for number one and they are the aforementioned Maximo Park who we were thinking about reviewing the Maximo Park album but then I was like does anyone listen to Maximo Park in it's one of those ones like when stereophonics always used to get into the you know I mean when stereophonics were number one and that's the spirit was number two and you were like it's mad that more people, like, people still go, oh, I must listen to new stereophonics material. That's <laughs> mad. Um, but, um, and even more so with Maximo Park, who basically have, like, their first album's good. Uh, Alice Cooper is in with a shout of getting into the top five, so I guess he's in with a shout of getting the number one. Architects, um, a gentleman called Digger D, don't know who that is, and our favourite, Lucy Spraggan, who I think's off X Factor or something.
1: Okay. Think. I know the name, I don't know anything about
0: the artist in question. Okay. So, I mean, I reckon Lucy Spraggan will get number one, probably. Yeah. Okay. I wouldn't be that surprised. I mean, looking at their Twitter followings, um architects are the third biggest according to just from Twitter, but that don't mean shit, does it? But um Don't mean shit. That means shit. But yeah, I mean I'd love to see architects get a number one. And you'd think in a week like that, it doesn't seem like a particularly strong like gets feels like quite a strong competition for mm. for for Mogwai. Mm. Um, yeah, I'd love them to get a number one, but I, I don't know. I don't know. But even let's
1: not, you know, even a number three or a number five would be a, an achievement for them. It would be their first top ten album. I believe that to be true. So um, yeah, you know, even even if they don't quite nab the number one spot, it's not a a, a failure. Did it, it, it Holy Hell not get?
0: Holy hell got into the top 10, didn't it, surely? Uh, uh, let me have a little look. I can tell you I'm please, right there feel, in the I UK. Mean, oh, no, number 18. Thank Holy you. Hell. Well done. Well look done, who's Henry. the
1: bigger architects fan, clearly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> now, both of us would be upset by the idea of that. <laughs> I, I'd i rather be a more... Uh, you'd, ra- you'd rather I was a bigger architects fan than you, and I'd rather I was a bigger architects fan than you. So, yeah, you know, you saying just- that is... Yeah, there we go. So (laughs) shut up. (laughs) up. (laughs) uh, Download has been cancelled this year. Now, we spoke last week. We won't go too far down this thing again. But download has been cancelled. The Isle of Wight has been moved to September. don't know if you saw that. I didn't, actually. Yeah, uh, much like kind of um, slam dunk, Isle of Wight is hoping to go in September. Um, But download is fully cancelled. I'll read the statement they put out. Just because I think I should. Following the announcement of the government's roadmap, and despite the extraordinary efforts the NHS have put in to roll out the vaccine, we can sadly now confirm that Download Festival will no longer be taking place this year. But we have exciting news for 2022. We never gave up hope of bringing the festival back to Donington this June and had been working so hard behind the scenes to make that happen. But sadly, we now know it's not possible. We're heartbroken for everyone in the Download family, from artists to suppliers and, of course, our passionate Download fans. We'll be back on the 10th to the 12th of June 2022, as strong as ever with an amazing set of headliners, Kiss, Iron Maiden and Biffy Clyro. Uh... Okay. Uh, we'd like to take this opportunity to thank the NHS for their extraordinary efforts in rolling out the vaccine. You've already said that, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, you're very welcome to retain your ticket and carry over for next year, or you can get a refund. Um, Can't be bothered to read the rest of it. Uh,
1: (laughs) You were so enthusiastic about reading out the statement, and then by the end, you're just like, ah, you can't be fucked. Well,
0: you know, you get the general gist. (laughs) You get the Um, gist. uh, You know, I think it was kind of inevitable that download would get cancelled, as I imagine it being the second biggest in terms of the amount of people that go. I think there's Glastonbury, obviously, is is the big kahuna. That is massive. 80,000 people at download. Well, not on Biffy Clyro's Day, but, you know, kind of... They aim for kind of 80,000 people, and you'd think with Maiden playing, they would get fairly close to a sellout, although Maiden weren't going to be playing this year. Okay. But, you know, still... I. The the capacity is 80,000. Even System, I think. think System would have got a
1: pretty big crowd, I reckon. Yeah, I think so.
0: So it's no real surprise that a festival of that size that comes, well, before, just before the the government's um, kind of potential opening of the country. It's no real surprise. And it's probably best that they do it now. And it is a shame. I mean, I know a few people saying, like, can you move it and whatnot? But Donington Park is... Once Donington Park's allowed to open, the people who had their stuff booked in the you know the rally cross or the mo the motorbikes you know the motorbikes um, they're gonna want to they're gonna want to keep their slots and yeah. the download isn't just like you know I oh, will put some tarpaulin down and a couple of people will get, get order a couple of burger vans and hey yeah. presto you've got a festival. It I'm I'm absolutely harder than that.
1: I'm absolutely positive that if there had been any other way to do it in say I don't know September. Or, or, or August or whatever, then they would have done that. But and mm-hmm. obviously it's not possible. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> bummer. I mean, it's a bummer, you know, is losing System of a Down to Biff. I mean, essentially, it's 2020, but with Biffy instead of System of a Down now. I actually think that's better. In fact, I would go as far as to say, yeah, I do think that's better. Like, I, I think I'd have Maiden over... System of a Down at this point to be perfectly honest. Um I think yeah. most people know how kind of indifferent I am to uh to Maiden and I think even I'd rather see Maiden than System of a Down at this point because I just know they won't be good and it'll be really depressing.
1: I think the majority of Download fans will be happy that Maiden are there i think the ideal for download fans would have been maiden and system obviously um but biffy clara are a brilliant band and they'll be they'll do a brilliant set and um down people go to download should should see them uh whether they will mm. or not is another question but yeah um yeah I, I, yeah download <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> thank you mate i'm really glad we brought that shrug up. uh yeah right um trent Reznor. congratulations trent You've only gone and won a bloody Golden Globe, you talented prick. Um, <laughs> Ross, say, and Atticus Ross. Jo- and John Batiste, who composed the score for Soul. They won the best original score at the Golden Globes. And you would think that they're in the pretty good, solid chance of winning another Oscar. I
1: yeah. mean,
0: they were actually nominated. So it was uh, Midnight Sky, Tenet, News of the World and Mank. Um, which they Ross and Resner actually did the soundtrack. So they got two nominations in the same mm. category. Mm. So when it you gotta feel like there's a pretty decent chance that um that they could be taking home another Oscar. Yeah. Which is I, mad, you know.
1: Yeah, I think that's the, great there. You've seen Soul,
0: haven't you? Yeah, I have, yeah. What did you think? I thought it was very good. Yeah. I thought it was very good. Yeah, I it was liked really Soul. good.
1: I liked it a lot. I thought it was a very such a smart unusual premise for a film that's aimed at the whole family you know mm. um and i love the way that pixar don't dumb down their stuff they go hey this is quite a complex thing and you're either along for the ride or you're not and i think that's cool um yeah, yeah i thought soul was great I, I didn't quite enjoy it as much as inside out which is like one of my favorite films ever um but uh not yeah. seen that oh you're not seen inside out no oh not it's it, a no. Blubfest fest it's a blood it? Oh my you know, God, you're not, it's a blood not fest. really
0: selling it to me by calling it that. It's honest, so but. good. It's
1: one of the best okay. films Pixar I've ever done. Might Is even it? be the best. That's right. Oh. Come at me.
0: Mm. Go on, everyone. Get him. Get him. Get me. Uh, yeah, I, I did. I really liked Soul. And I thought the music was lovely. And yeah, yeah I mean, a, 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 a film about how important music can be to people was always going to be something that appealed to me. And I thought it was very, like you say, very very um imaginatively done yeah and all the performances were great and yeah it's a really lovely film and the score the thing is it's weird because it can with it being resner at the end when i saw the credits going up and i was like oh my god it's trent resner it, it didn't sound like your typical resner score yeah Reznor, i don't think it is amatic at ross score but mm. you know mm. really really great yeah, yeah really good film
1: yeah brilliant film um if anything i actually think their Watchmen score is even better if i'm totally honest but uh so but what the Watchmen score is far more like what they usually do so
0: yeah, right okay i would say
1: um but yeah
0: i i haven't seen Mank, the david fincher film that they did the score for so no, I, I um so i i guess We'll have to wait and see which one of those is better and what that actually sounds like. But yeah, cool. Well done to Trent Rez. I'm a bloody Trent Rez, the guy who wrote fucking March of the Pigs, Mm. Happiness and Slavery. Yeah. Winning for an an animated cartoon thing. One of the most unusual things to happen you could ever possibly imagine. I would have have thought it's a very, very unlikely thing. Um, Speaking of very, very unlikely things, uh, here's something that I told you not to look at. Remfrey, but you have um, Van Morrison has announced the release of his new album, which is called Latest Record Project Volume One. It's a two-disc, twenty-eight-track double LP coming out on the seventh of May. It's his forty-second studio record. Are you a Van Morrison fan, Remfrey? Um, I'm not particularly. No. No, me neither. Me neither. I certainly think we should review this, though. I mean, it does sound. Fucking ugh, it's a lot of you know twenty eight tracks of van Morrison mm. at his age, but the thing that's been <laughs> that's been um uh sort of really causing a storm or on uh, social media is the some of the titles of some of the songs on this record winfrey i'm gonna read you three titles right okay i've made and I've made one of them up, okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, here are three song titles and only one of them is fake from the Van Morrison album. Okay. They own the media. Right. Demo, demo k- rats. Demo Dem- how's that being spelled? Demo rats. So like demo democrats but demo cr- rats. Right,
1: right, right, yeah.
0: That's or, too clever
1: for you to make up.
0: <laughs> or or <laughs> Why are you on Facebook? <laughs> <laughs> Which one did I make up? <laughs> uh, either the first or the third, I
1: think. Uh, remind me of the first one. They own the media.
0: I'll go I'll go for why are they on Facebook? You think that's the fake one that I've made up? Yeah. Do you? Well that's funny that you basically think that demo rats. <laughs> is the cleverest one because that is the one that I've made up which makes me better than Van Morrison I (laughs) guess yes it does Uh, officially yeah yeah, they own the media why are you on Facebook jealousy stop bitching do something he's (laughs) not the he's not the kingpin (laughs) Uh, double agent and double blind Um, diabolic pressure psychoanalyst ball where have all the rebels gone Tried to Do the Right Thing, The Long Con, Big Lie, It Hurts Me Too, Only a Song. I mean, <laughs> this is Get Off My Lawn, the album, isn't it? <laughs> Get Off My Lawn, the album. I, I mean, you know, I, I, I am not a fan of Van Morrison, but I've always been like, you know, you should probably respect someone who has done, you know, considered legendary has done you know and he's but i mean you, you know you're 75 years old and you're releasing a 28 track album that just looks like just even from the track listing looks like the <laughs> ramblings and he's always <laughs> you know he's he's got previous with it I'm unless he has got previous with this he's always oh, he's a moody he's, old cunt <laughs> he's been doing this shit you know like already on like don't need the government cramping my style. this is from the he, he did that three anti-lockdown songs didn't he born to be free no more lockdown and as i walked out right, <laughs> right <laughs> like, okay. don't need the government cramping my style give them an inch they take a mile take you in with a phony smile wouldn't you agree uh no man <sighs> i don't yeah Brand's, he says not his he, first name surely no, I don't think so. I mean, it's probably minivan. <laughs> uh, come forward, stand up and fight the pseudo science he says. Oh. Okay. <sighs> I mean, I just like oh, I I know, you know, we've said before that like, I, I I don't really want to ca- like there's been plenty of people who in bands that I really do like who have said some and done things that I'm like, mate, please do that that please don't do that please steph carpenter please steph carpenter don't talk about the world being flat i don't want you to do that Mm. you sound silly yeah but i'm not going to stop listening to fucking white pony or around the fur because of it like that's fine you hit the strings with a bit of plastic on your bit of wood and it sounds nice that's enough for me you carry on doing that but you, you think what you like but i don't need to hear that particularly um I mean, I don't have any kind of reverence for Van Morrison, but when you know, like you're... I mean, Ian Brown's been doing it, hasn't he? Recently, Ian Brown's been saying, "I won't play any gigs where people have been vaccinated." Has he? Yeah, oh, and you're just like, so. what is wrong with him? Why would you get to this certain age and you just go mad? <laughs> <laughs> just stop being like this, like it's not rebellious, it's just stupid.
1: It is, yeah, exactly. It's not rebellious, it's just stupid. He's not the Messiah. He's a very naughty boy. It's the same yeah. fucking thing.
0: Like, I'm a rock and roll rebel. I'll lie in my face if I want to and not <laughs> tell me anything. Oh, you're saying I can't drink hydrochloric acid. Or oh, the man says I can't <laughs> put my testicles in a paper shredder. I'll show you. I'm such a all these new artists, they're too scared to do that. Like <laughs> Yeah. You fucking idiot, mate. You're a fucking idiot.
1: I'm gonna be honest, I'm too scared to do that.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, that's because we're Snowflakes, Renfrey. That's we I, are. We are these new school Gen Z snowflakes, yeah. aren't we? Yeah. yeah. Even though I'm 41 in a week. Oh um, shit! Yeah. I know. Well that's hey, news? news. Come on. <laughs> like, let's not go. Oh, it's a bit of news we forgot. Yeah. So I just think Van Morrison. Um, ah, I don't know. I just think you should. You're 75. Just try and enjoy your twilight years. Enjoy. You know. Just try and do that. Oh, he's, just, he's just like, miserable,
1: McCartney. It, uh, uh, all the like there's so many stories about Van Morrison, the whole like the clock at the side of the stage, and like he will play up to I don't know, he'll play up to curfew to the second and then he gets off stage even if he's like halfway through a song, he'll just down tools and leave and all this kind of stuff. He just sounds like a really miserable old man. Um, you know, which
0: a mean old man? sorry to keep doing a joke that you haven't heard yet you lot, sorry about this but it's very uh, funny trust me it's
1: very funny um yeah i mean i don't know I, I think any i i always feel like i should really sit down one day and just listen to astral weeks from beginning to end because there's so many people who i respect who say that album is absolutely amazing but i feel like it's already tainted by me knowing that he's just an annoying twat to a lot of people um and it's it's weird like if you get into music before you hear someone's a twat you've kind of already made a connection with it but if you're trying to make a connection with music already knowing they are a twat then it's more difficult Mm. do you know what
0: i mean he's i mean he's recently been collaborating with eric clapton as well and i think after we did this i always thought i mean i saw eric clapton just because i got i got free tickets so you know don't judge me but i went to see eric clapton um Mainly because he was supported by Sheryl Crow, who I quite wanted to see. But I went <laughs> to my mate and we got like, he my mate won ticket. So we just went down and went to Hard Rock Calling and we saw it at Clapton and he was absolutely diabolical. He was rubbish. And I've always been like, oh, you know, I've i never really cared that much. For, you know, I like, I really like Cream. And there's a few songs that I like at Clapton's. But, but then reading, when we did, I mean, this is something for the, the specials, the special. When I really read up about Clapton and what he was saying in the mid 70s and i was like wow you're a fucking piece of shit and he's got the same sort of like just miserable old fuck go back to your fucking mansion and sit and grumble and read your daily mail and grumble away and just shut up if you'd like no one needs like, if someone needs a record of just an old 75 year old man moaning oh god it sounds rubbish like oh I can't, no one needs that
1: do they you're, no one
0: needs that. You're sort of describing the blues. Well, yeah, I am. Yeah, no, no, no. The the blues was formed from a load of like white millionaires sitting in their mansions be- and <laughs> being told that they couldn't go to the pub. That's that is <laughs> yeah. the genesis of the blues room. For you're quite right. I was you know, being you're sarcastic. Really, of course you were. I know you were, but I just thought it would be I'd, I'd really skewer that <laughs> because because Eric Clapton probably does think that. Yeah. Oh, I'm does. I'm I'm just like the blues. Oh, this is just what this is just what happened to all my favourite blues musicians. <laughs> I'm just like them. To be fair, Fucking. he probably
1: does know more about blues than you and I.
0: <laughs> but yeah, yeah. He probably um, does, but yeah. he's probably not self-aware enough to know. He, he'd he still like all of his favourite... I love this blues musician, but I, I do want him to get deported.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, let's not talk about Eric Clapton. Um, I just thought that was hilarious on the part of... A, 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 literally a mean old man. Um, anyway, Van Morrison's got a new album out. I think we should try and review that because, you know,
1: twenty eight songs. <laughs> no, really? maybe not. My you face know, maybe just not. sunk. Oh, yeah, it well, did. I mean...
0: You turned into literally turned into droopy for a second. You were like, <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's do some reviews. Let's talk about something good. Let's start with Nick Cave and Warren Ellis. Their new album is called Carnage. It is a surprise release, a shock release that came from kind of nowhere, from the king of bleak, pitch black alternative music and his longtime Bad Seeds compadre. This is their first non-soundtrack album that they've released as a duo. Um, They've
1: done a bunch of soundtrack albums for films mm -hmm. like The Proposition, uh, The Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward, Robert Ford, The Road... Um, other films that don't have a the prefix uh, and they're all very good but this is a little bit different this one
0: yes yes this is a this is a proper collaborative record between these two men absolutely isn't it yeah um we have been almost entirely positive about just about everything we've ever said about nick cave and his various collaborators on this podcast although as we have actually previously discussed, you know he doesn't have a perfect discography. Nick Cave, I think Not it's fair all. to say, no. Um, this deep into a career, I think you'd struggle to find anyone of his kind of vintage that does, especially quite. someone as prolific yeah. as exactly. Nick Cave. Yeah, um, but he appears to be on, and it quite a quite incredible creative <clears throat> hot streak at the moment. I would say, I would completely
1: agree completely Mm. and utterly yeah um and he's kind of discovered this new found sort of he's added a lot of electronics and strange eerie noises which really kind of work with that western gothic horror aesthetic that is often attached to his works i think it's that whole aesthetic i think is even more prominent on carnage perhaps due to the record being written and recorded during lockdown i don't know um carnage was supposedly created as a duo partly out of pandemic necessity um but i think this stripping back and pairing back works really well with um the last three albums he did which ended up being a bit of a trilogy you can see that this Mm. is kind of like a progression from those records but well but still having a foundation in what those records did as well
0: yeah i mean i think this is this is an interesting record i think because it is kind of a continuation in terms of the types of sounds that the pair are using, the yeah. types of sounds that they're trying to create um, from, from from ghosting from 2019, particularly yeah. being the one that we uh, reviewed on this show. Although um, if you're a member of our Patreon, <coughs> you will know that we did that Skeleton Tree special, which was you know very, very cool as well. But the uh, only... I,
1: th- I think of the two, it's probably closer to Skeleton Tree than it is ghosting uh, sonically. Mm. Um, but, yeah, but,
0: uh, I... I think so. I mean, I was going to say the overall mood and feel of the album, I think it's quite different and almost, almost kind of, I was going to say unrelated. I don't think that's entire. I, I I thought at first it was a kind of, this is a completely separate mindset that Nick Cave appears to be in. I don't think that's completely true, but I think it's enough of a, a, a switching mindset to really make this record feel radically different from the last from from that trilogy certainly the perspective
1: that he's writing the lyrics from feels a little bit different um i think Mm. many of these lyrics feel like the more kind of confrontational cave of old um especially when he's threatening to shoot you in the fucking face repeatedly just for fun um, and then, meanwhile, there's a line on White Elephant about uh, Botticelli's Venus with a penis riding an enormous scalloped fan, which feels much more in line with his Grinder Man persona than the Nick Cave we usually see fronting the bad seats. That said, there's also a lot of really beautiful poetic romanticism on this record as well. So it's kind of um, managing to retain both sides well, well <laughs> multiple sides of that Nick Cave persona um all within the one record and what i found really was something i really liked and enjoyed about this record he been he did it a bit on ghosting as well but there's lyrical themes that come round on the album over and over again across the album's eight tracks um whether it be a balcony where nick cave is sitting or some bags several characters throw bags into the back of the car. Uh, there's a glenn campbell song which comes up a few times strange creatures by the side of the road i think most noticeably of all there's that kingdom in the sky um mm. obviously you know nick cave and biblical references go together like uh, uh two things that go together really well
0: uh cheese and uh, toast <laughs> i was gonna say body of christ and wine but, you know. <laughs> very nice, nice. um <clears throat> and the album
1: begins with the song hand of god which is a sort of strange hybrid of woozy strings and subtle electronics, which uh, c- c- recall to mind Radiohead's Burn the Witch for me. I don't know if that was a, a something you noticed or not. I,
0: yeah, there is a touch of modern day Radiohead about a, a touch of, of it. now you've said that, yeah. Mm. And the strings
1: lurch in such a way that is almost vomit inducing, you know, as if your stomach were turning and churning upon a ship on a rocky sea and the biblical lyrics as a result sound kind of slightly deranged as if a mad Mm. preacher were reciting these lines about the hand of god coming from the sky or going to the river where the current rushes by gonna swim to the middle stay out there a while let the river cast its spell on me you know there's this really kind of preacher-esque feel to the lyrics and it's the way he says phrases as well that really register with us rather than having kind of traditional verses and choruses i think these songs are structured around images that cave Mm -hmm. paints um and it's those that punctuate the songs rather than having what appear i mean most of them do have a traditional verse and chorus structure but it's couplets that you remember rather than a chorus or a hook or whatever you know
0: i think i mean yeah i think you've hit (coughs) them I think you've you've nailed for me what is the the gen, what is the true sort of kernel of um, difference between the particularly the last couple of records to what we get here, which is I think that kind of that electro pulse mm. you get from that previous record is mm. there, mm. but I think you've got you know to me it's going back to a more typical a more organic set of instruments, kind yeah, of, a kind of m- mixing. I felt like Ghost Scene was almost dominated by electronics. That kind of yeah, that airy synth where there's a lot more um analogue sounding hmm. sounds to this record. And yeah. I think, you know, the vibe and the feel was often in the same wheelhouse as what they've been doing. But it's it the difference here is is Nick Cave. For me the difference is Nick Cave. The old school, like you say, preaching powerhouse of righteous indignation of you know he's from wherever wherever that guy has been hiding yes. for the last few years he's he's, he's back. back on this yeah. he's back on this record and it's fucking glorious to hear him back i think um you know from the like to have i mean you mentioned um you mentioned the opening song Hand of God, which is like just a fucking incredible opening song. It's got pace and momentum, but it's kind of beautiful and haunting at the same time, but it's kind of, it's almost brutal, but delicate at the same time, you know, those yeah. backing vocals bring a delicacy to, to Nick Cave, that who performs the whole thing, almost sounds like he's performing the whole thing through, through gritted teeth. Hmm. And like, you know, he, he's not even, it's not even necessarily always what he's saying. It's kind of the way that he's saying it on this record, which I think Absolutely. makes everything feel really different. You know, you've got Old Time, the second song, has this really ominous bass line beneath it. Mm. And it just feels a little bit more threatening, you know, talking about the trees being black and mm. stuff. I mean, it's not unique to any part of Nick Cave's co- career to be that kind of expressive. Obviously, he's made an entire career out of it. But I think he balances. The, the balance of, you know, that kind of raging preacher messiah that he, he, he can be and this kind of really confused, heartbroken shell of a man that we heard on Ghost Teen. I think he balances those two things really fucking brilliantly. I mean, the first time I listened to this, why I sort of said, I said to you on the phone, I was like, oh, it's got nothing to do with like the last two. And I think it's because that ire, that fury like like you mentioned that song white elephant and it's so unbelievably beautifully like it can be scathing and scabrous but again when those backing vocals come in it's euphoric at the same time and yeah. i think he, i missed a lot of I, I missed a lot of the euphoria when i first listened to this record and it's taken me what well, well, it's just under a week since this record's been out and it's sort of only really Properly hit me like yesterday when I was listening to it, and I was like, "Actually, this record, you know, it's not. It it feels like a journey. It feels like it feels like you get the old Nick Cave kind of burst out in front of you, and then as it progresses, he starts to sort of. I was going to say run out of steam, and I don't mean run out of steam in a you know, it doesn't get as good or he's run out of ideas or whatever, but he seems to kind of calm down towards the second half of the record. Yeah, I, I
1: do agree with that. I mean, I think the record gets better as it goes on, um, personally. Um, I, I yeah, think...
0: arguably it does, yeah.
1: <clears throat> I think definitely those moments of uh, jubilation and euphoria are kind of ever so slightly tainted in a weird way, though, with like a, a, a weird unease. So, for example, that... Um, I called it a drunken orgy of religious zeal at the end of White Elephant that comes in. It's kind of jubilant and grotesque at the same time because it sounds like it's a chorus of Nick Caves singing uh, the time is coming, the time is nigh for the kingdom and the sky. But they sound he sounds really inebriated and a little bit kind of like not with it in the slightest. You know, And the fact that there's a crowd of them as well just gives it this really uh off kilter strange feeling even though it is euphoric mm. it does feel euphoric but you also get the sense that there's going to be a hell of a hangover in 10 o- ten hours time you know so mm. yeah
0: yeah i agree and you know there was a lot of there's a lot of pain and there was a lot of grieving and there were a lot of questions sort of subtly asked on Ghost Team, and i feel like that was the purging of that in a lot of ways. And there is a shadow of that here. I mean, I love, like you said, I think that, you know, I think you're probably right, actually. The second half of the record, the last three songs, particularly, I Mm -hmm. think are are unbelievable. Like Lavender Fields is, I mean, it's just beautiful. And there's so much sort of heartache behind it. And that's when that album really slows down. And I think it's, the thing about Nick Cave is that it's kind of almost impossible whatever he's doing, I think both of us probably feel this, that whatever he wants you to feel, you just kind of feel, I think we're, we both really respond to him. And you know, that the moon is a girl with a sun in her eyes is what he sings on shattered ground. And it's really simple. But again, we've mentioned the word euphoric quite a lot. That song to me almost feels like defiance. He -hmm. talks about, you know, shattered ground, the things that are shattered around him. And it's a song about kind of love and life and like that stuff winning. You know, It's it feels to me like that is somebody going, I am not going to let this shit destroy me. I'm not going to let that happen. And I love that you can kind of, he's gone from the guy he was on Ghost Teen to this. You can see that journey in him and not just see it, but, but feel it. You kind of feel everything that he is feeling and putting out through the performance through the the music that sits behind it which at that point again is a far more subtle more minimalistic uh, approach and and from you know his his lyrics which are just they're kind of genius in this, they're kind of the sort of genius simplicity that you just wouldn't think of yeah. in a lot of ways i mean there <laughs> there is times when nick cave can be really wordy and I think on the last couple of songs, it's not so much wordy, but it's just just perfectly, perfectly pitched. And euphoric's not really the word, but kind of triumphant and. Um, and yeah, defiant, like mm. it, it feels like a really def- like, I, I think that's the best song on the record, personally. Shattered ground. A really? Yeah, I think that's a really amazingly defiant statement from him personally. I think that's a good call
1: i think it would probably be my second favorite on the album um i certainly in terms of sort of the defiance and stuff there's a line that i love from that song there's a madness in her and a madness in me and together it forms a kind of sanity and i think that like um really illustrates the point you were making there about Mm. it being quite defiant from trying circumstances I think my favourite track is Save for Last. Balcony Man is just so melancholy and beautiful at the same time. Um, And the words in this song are just incredible. Um, I'm the Balcony Man. I'm Fred Astaire. You think you have a plan until I hit the stairs. Uh, I'm a 200 pound bag of blood and bone leaking on your favourite chair. I put on my lap dancing shoes in the morning sun and this morning is amazing and so are you. And that moment where he starts report repeating that phrase, this morning's amazing and so are you. Yeah. It's just like it's like sun breaking through the clouds, you know. It's absolutely it's it's just it's just beautiful. It's one of the most beautiful things I've heard all year. Probably is the most beautiful thing I've heard this year so far.
0: Yeah, it's right up there. Um <laughs> this is this is I mean, like I said at the start, it's um it is a continuation, sort of stylistically, of what Nick Cave has been doing. But it's a continuation, kind of amazingly, of that incredible run of form. I mean, when this came out, I mean, you messaged me and you were like, oh my God, there's a new Nick Cave. And I'd seen it, it, was out. And I sort of messaged you and went, yeah, we should do that. But I have to say, because of the strength and because of... I mean, I said this about... I've said this about a lot of records. You know, I said this about Stage 4 by Touche and Moore, And I said it about... Um, but the Satanist by Behemoth, I said it about... Even about Holy Hell, when we were talking about it last week. You know, there are records sometimes that come and you go, well, that's really hard. That's a really hard thing to have to follow up. And this record, I was like, I don't know. You know, again, the, the Touche album, which I thought was really good. And um, the the Behemoth record that came, you know, I was like, good for them for like doing something completely different. But it's so hard to follow those records that are just... And, you know, I almost see, particularly like we said in our special, I almost see Ghost Teen and Skeleton Tree almost as like one album in a lot of ways. I mean, that in th- those two particularly, I know they're kind of, it's, I know it's considered a kind of trilogy, considered a sort of three-album run, but I think like we said in the special, we really consider it a kind of like a, a dual, single singular album in a lot of ways, yeah. I think. Yeah. And I did go, Ooh, imagine having to follow that. And, and uh, you know, and, and it's not like all the other albums I've mentioned, They all those bands would give, like Behemoth gave themselves, you know, four years to follow mm. up the Satanist. Mm. Touche and Moore gave themselves three years, was it, between stage four? Three, four, four years. I think it was four, four years. years. Yeah, Four years. So, you know, I think sometimes you need to get a long way. Away. Th- that distance, even with that distance to go, look, I've just done this thing. Mm. And fuck knows how we get to the next place. But I'm going to need to think about that long and hard. To come back less than two years. Because remember, Ghost Team was the end of 2019. Was,
1: yeah, like October or something like that. It, it, it was quite yeah, late. It was
0: very, very late in the year. So 18 to months come, later. Yeah, to come back 18 months later with a record of this quality... And I think actually, we haven't even mentioned Warren Ellis, and I think his influence on this record is amazing. I think yeah. I particularly started to. I've, I follow Warren Ellis on Twitter, and he's fucking just seems like such a lovely, lovely man. But yeah. when we did the Skeleton Tree, um, a classic album, and I watched the way that he worked with Nick Cave on the uh, No More Shall We Part documentary, yeah. like you really get a sense of how kind of in tune those two are with each other. And I think, like, what he does with Nick Cave's lyrics is fucking sublime but i genuinely was a little bit like I don't go in expecting too much for this because it's a surprise release 18 months after Ghost Teen. it's not a nick cave and a bad seeds record mm-hmm. it's not like <clears throat> it's the first one they've done of this this ilk and for it to be as good as this yeah is mad
1: it is mad isn't it um but that's nick cave i mean when he gets into a groove he's just one of the best most identifiable artists on the planet um and you know um i mean this is a lockdown record we wouldn't have got this record um if the lockdown hadn't happened because he would have been touring ghostine doing a massive tour for ghostine he was doing two nights at the o2 in london um you know so um that's something to be grateful for <laughs> um yeah. and you know if we're i mean i think it's absurd really to have a genre which is lockdown records like some critics are kind of trying to do but if if you were going to um you know put them all together this is one of the strongest lockdown records we've done isn't it
0: oh i mean unquestionably yeah yeah i mean i think even even if you don't limit it to lockdown records i mean like this has been a pretty good start to the year i mean i think you know for me the year has suddenly got really good this week. Uh, and there's been some albums that I've been really, really keen on. I still think the Stephen Wilson album is like fucking amazing. It's a completely different thing to this, but it's it's just, I, you know, I, I continually listen to that and there's some really good albums coming uh, yeah, as well. Are. But, but I, I, you know, <clears throat> I think a bit like that. I mean, last year ended up being amazing and it did actually take a little while before it got going, I, I thought. But by the time it was motoring towards the sort of second half of the year, it was really, really motoring and, you know, music's weird like that sometimes it does take a little while before things start coming out that are really really good but I think well, there's some signs that this could be another really really strong year and this record is as well, I think this could probably go toe-to-toe with whatever's going to come out this year yeah potentially um you know where how
1: do you feel it stacks up against Skeleton Tree and Ghostine and maybe even Push the Sky if you can
0: record that record as well pretty well Mm. I mean, I think, you know, it's arguably more dynamic than all of those records. Yes, yes, I think. I mean, certainly from, like you say, the persona you get from Nick Cave, it's yep. arguably the most emotionally full records that you get. I think the problem is something like Skeleton Tree, the highs... Not even. I mean, feels it feels kind of nasty calling them highs in a lot of way because you know what I mean. But the points that where you go, this is just phenomenal. Mm. They are so high. Yeah, they are. I I Mm -hmm. mean, I think you're right with Balcony Man, Shatterground, and Lavender Fields. That last three, I think, I think are probably as good as anything on any of those three records. I would agree. Yeah, I think. You know, old time white elephant are a different kind of thing. I think they're great. I don't think they're, I think it's a Nick Cave that you have heard previously, maybe not done to exactly the same standards as, like, if we're going to go back 25 years or whatever to, you know, to him at his kind of raging, rollicking best. It's not quite that but it's different you know and yeah. i don't think it can be compared in that. so for that i guess oh, i don't know i mean i certainly think yeah i certainly think that those last three songs are as good as anything on either of those records mm-hmm. i think that those two records they it's weird because i don't i think this is a more dynamic record overall yeah. but i think those two records are so perfect yeah con- so consistently perfect and they hit those they're exhausting to listen to those records aren't they yeah they're they're kind of beautifully exhausting to listen to yeah whereas this is actually uh it's you know it's not a it's not a continually tough listen
1: no certainly as it goes on Mm. um certainly as it goes on you sorry you about to say
0: yeah i was gonna say but when it really kind of when it does try and kind of tug at your heartstrings it really like yanks them as hard as it possibly can and i think like you know that's what he's been really good at doing for uh, you know about a decade now yeah more than that but like i mean certainly obviously situational things have meant that you know he's um he's drawing on things which i think are very 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 difficult to listen to without Without you, you yourself, and he's so good that you yourself, not being emotionally motivated or emotionally kind of drawn into that, and I think anything that elicits a really, really strong emotional pull in you is always going to be something which you gravitate towards. And the real the times when I really am sucked into this record is those last songs. I think the first five songs are fucking great. They're really great. So I mean, White White Elephant is mm, fucking fantastic. amazing. I think. Yeah. I think it's amazing. And I, and I did love hearing Nick Cave like, "Oh, I'll fucking shoot you if you come like mm. that kind of that." I was like, "Oh, there's that guy. He's great." Yeah, yeah. And to be able to do both those things on the record, I think is wicked. Overall, though, I mean, I still think like ghosting's still the best. I think.
1: I think I'd agree with you. I I, I think if I'm honest, I probably prefer ghosting and Skeleton Tree to to yeah, this. Me too. But this is mightily close behind both of those like there's very 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 little in it indeed um and considering how much i like both of those records i mean just go to our review of ghosting or our classic album on skeleton tree to hear me waffle on about how phenomenal those albums are to say it's you know third to those two is not much of a diss in the slightest um because those two records are absolutely phenomenal i definitely prefer to push sky away which i didn't quite Mm. vibe with in the same way that a lot of critics did uh but no although
0: yeah. there's, again there's you know i think push the sky away is actually a fairly decent shout for for this record because i think push the sky away has got some amazing highs jubilee street do you know what well, i was about to say jubilee yeah. street being i mean that live version of in oh. denmark of jubilee street which is just so brilliant um oh can we stop yeah, this so and just listen to that <laughs> yeah no totally. no we have to do this oh, yes, we do but really. yeah but <laughs> but yeah it's um you know, there's 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 like, nothing on here is below an eight. Nope. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, and there's a, quite a lot of tens. Yeah. So it's really good, it's basically. Brilliant. I mean, God, what a shock. that <laughs> <laughs> we uh, I actually am a little bit shocked. That I like it as much as I do, to be honest, because I did, like I say, I did sort of, I steeled myself for going, there's no way. There's no way he can make anything as that's comparable with Ghost Teen or Skeleton Tree. There's no way. He's going to have to. He's going to have to like he's gonna have to kind of slow down a little bit and you know and he has sort of slowed down a little bit but still um
1: but the quality know, it still
0: feels relatable though like, but the quality I mean?
1: the quality of his output is as high as it's ever been i feel mm. you know mm. um i mean he had an amazing run in the late 90s and early noughties i'd say as well yeah. um but it's difficult to think of another time that he's been as strong in his career and for someone you know 18th album not including soundtracks and all that sort of thing it's astonishing really he's um mm. yeah absolutely this is a this is a really brilliant record
0: really good so there you go carnage by nick cave and warren ellis is out now you should probably go and listen to it i would say in, you know it's been out a week so Maybe you already have. Let us know what you think. Let's move on to our next album. It comes from Arab Strap. The album is called As Days Get Dark. It's the seventh studio album from the cult Scottish indie band. Their first album since 2005's The Last Romance, which, and uh, it's their first album since their 2016 reunion. Mm. Now, this is a comeback album. Uh It's a comeback album. Uh oh. Arab Strap were a band that came into the kind of post. Britpop indie landscape in the mid to late 90s that I think, how much it was down to them, I'm not sure, but there was a real effect and change in direction from, I guess, the post- not that I feel like they would think they have anything to do with this and you know, there's not much argument to suggest that they do at all with Britpop, but Indy was so obsessed with that scene around that time that when Arab Strap came along in the... I guess it's the post-Nebworth. There's a post-Nebworth world where Britpop suddenly <laughs> has peaked, basically. Like You ain't getting anywhere bigger than that by doing the things that those bands were doing or that Oasis were doing and thus indie music started to go a little bit back in a different direction bell and sebastian the beta band gomez arab strap i mean dare i say even mogwai and travis a little bit maybe i mean i know those are two quite different bands but certainly they came say, along and very very
1: different putting mogwai obviously. and travis in the same sentence does make me i'm
0: <laughs> i'm not putting them in the same category i'm putting yeah. them in the same sentence because they came saying. out at yeah. kind of roughly the same time yeah but i think mogwai were a band who were slightly in embraced by the indie press for a bit oh yeah and travis were a band who were embraced by the enemy and obviously yeah. those two bands went veering off into <coughs> wildly different directions one into kind of twee boring um like saccharine nonsensey brit Gob, cock-gobbling uh, mainstream <laughs> bullshit, and, you know, whatever Travis did. Hey! Uh, um, and, you know, Mogwai in <laughs> the other direction. But I do think that those were those were sort of signposts to where that scene went. And obviously, as I just said and mentioned, more, really, your Gomez's and your beta bands and the Bella and Sebastian's and etc. etc. that kind of uh, lo-fi, more indie-sounding indie music. Um Arab Strap had their kind of biggest commercial success, I would say, around that period, 98 to 99, with the Philophobia album, which I remember getting quite a bit of critical love at yeah. the time and attention from some of the cooler sources back in the day. Um Because it was 1998, because it was 1999, because I was listening to Machine Head and um, Slipknot and... Type of negative well, probably type of negative about them, That's was probably too stupid to think that they were good, but because I was listening to metal vision disorder and Wilhaven and stuff mm-hmm. I didn't really pay much attention to Arab Strap at the time
1: No um, You? Uh, I... Well, my first exposure to Arab Strap was through, surprise, surprise Mogwai um, Aidan Moffat does a guest vocal on Are You Still Into It? which is the seventh track eighth track of uh, Mogwai's 1997 debut album and the first Arab Strap album that came out after they got onto my radar was Monday at the Hug and Pint and I did check that out at the time and I remember finding it a very curious listen but I was just on the cusp of I was just about to move to drama school and my my pool my wide range my influences hadn't kind of extended out into more indie territory yet so I think I think it basically came into my life a few months too early funnily enough maybe four or five months later I was hanging out in fop in Bristol and um Uh, a nick cave album was playing over the stereo and that's when i started my journey with nick cave and if i'd already been familiar with nick cave then arab strap might have made a bit more sense to me when i first heard monday at the hug and pint um but now at the age of 36 i feel like arab strap i am all about this uh in so many ways. I love the way that Aidan Moffat's storytelling and his soft Scottish lilt deliver these incredible lyrics. Um, I think the chances of a band releasing an album with lyrics as good as, you know, a Nick Cave record are quite slim in the same week but i think i might yeah. e- i think i might even prefer the lyrics on this record in in a weird way to the i mean it's a silly comparison really because they are doing very different things mm. but there's some really beautiful prose on this record and the way that they are delivered in this soft scottish lilt is just beautiful um it's kind of finding beauty in the mundane through very ordinary things and through very ordinary language. And there's something just intrinsically beautiful about that. So an example would be Another Clockwork Day, which simply tells the story of an older gentleman looking through some photos on an external hard drive. And it's got this beautiful bed of strings and accordion and gently plucked guitar. And our elderly protagonist reads out each file name and describes each photo so he's reading them out img4329 img4378 and just the Mm. way that he reads them out like that gives us this picture of this old guy who doesn't really understand the file names and all that sort of thing uh an example of one of them is img4457 uh A borrowed hoodie and a bruised thigh, the absent thighs of afternoon, afterglow, and the suspense of more to come. Um, Secretly sated, once again, he softly ascends to the bedroom and slips gently under covers to join a snoring spouse. In the almost dark, she's hardly aged a day. When he removes his glasses, she looks just the same as she does in the pixels of those old JPEGs, those low-res memories buried in folders within folders. You know, it's very, very ordinary language and ordinary things which are being romanticized and poeticized and i love the way that he does that it's really quite quite beautiful it's almost like an alan bennett sort of thing Hmm. uh in in the way that he finds the extraordinary and the ordinary i think
0: Hmm. yeah this is um one of those oh so rare things, isn't it? The absolutely brilliant comeback album, mm. "The Heart Is a Monster" by Failure. Black gives way to blue bars and chains. Solemn Victus by Faith and the More. There aren't many of them. We've said them, you know, a few times. Like, there's, you know, there's not many of them, but I think this is right up there. This is definitely um, in that in that territory, I would say. Musically, uh, more so than lyrically, this is. I mean, quite a potent mix of stuff going on here. Sort of traditional Scottish folk, post-punk. You know, you mentioned Nick Cave, Nick Cave style, soaring poeticism and yet kind of as well musically pitch black curisms as well from the kind of earlier part of their career. It's a sort of heady mix between Billy Bragg, Mogwai, I Like Trains and Scott Walker. And oh, that's great shout. Yeah, Those that, yeah. That,
1: this record is those four artists. But <laughs> yeah, together. yeah it, totally. It really is. And
0: <clears throat> I mean, it's funny you mentioned the sort of the lyrical poetism of it because it's it's delivered in this really, like you say, quite a mundane Scottish lilt, quite a kind of um, matter-of-fact way and everything is talked about matter-of-fact. But, I mean, this is an album, actually. I mean, that song that you've just mentioned, what you didn't mention about it is it starts with the protagonist looking at all kinds, you know, feeling bored by pornography and searching for all kinds of different pornography. So it's kind of... It's an album which sticks its face right in the dirt and really rolls around in it. I mean, uh, there's a lot about decadence and lust and avarice. And when you mix it with this almost often kind of classical sounding compositions, there's something almost biblical about it. Yeah. Do you I know agree. what I mean? It's like modern mm-hmm. day biblical ramblings. and It's I mean, sort of the I, same
1: thing Shane Meadows does
0: yeah making the ordinary seem biblical you know well i was going to say there's there's a lot of songs about sex on it and there's have you ever yeah. seen that film shame with michael Fassbender? i have yeah yeah it sort of reminds me of that because yeah. i mean that's a film that is like you know is about somebody who is stuck in this kind of um really unhappy life and mm-hmm. is kind of feels ashamed of the the sort of like say the kind of lust and the the wanting that they have and there's something really quite dark at the in the underbelly of the way that they're behaving and i think this this record manages to to do that and i mean i want to talk about my own my own personal highlight of the records which is fable of the urban fox which Mm. is this kind of Allegorical tale of foxes being run out of their natural environment and chased into the city where they're told that they don't belong. The fox bumps into the, the British bulldog and he says, fuck off back to Foxland. And it's basically, it's talking about immigration. It's talking about the way that these people in this country treat and feel about immigrants. And I think it's, I mean, for me, it is, it, it's. One. I mean, we were just talking about Nick Cave and there are some amazing, amazing songs on that record. But I think this is one of the best songs of the year. And I mean, if you don't count Personal Shopper by Stephen Wilson, which actually did come out last year, I think so far would I would consider that the best song of the year so far. I think it's absolutely fucking amazing. Lyrically, it's amazing. It's scathing. It's cutting. It cuts right to the heart of exactly what it's saying. It's really brilliantly musically pitched. I, I, it's it's an incredible incredible song yeah and it's not like it's alone in being that like there's some no. really <clears throat> brilliant brilliant songs in this but i love the kind of shit covered diamond that this <laughs> um that this album is my favorite song on this record changes has
1: has changed constantly i think i've listened to it we got this promo fairly late so i think i've listened to this album maybe half a dozen times i want i've wanted to listen to it a lot more than that and i reckon my favorite song has changed probably every single time um i've listened to it um i love that kind of uh diamond yeah that diamond in the rough that's the 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 way that aiden moffat talks about sex is just really kind of low uh lowly and like there's this line in kebabalon brilliant title uh, which is are you already dreaming as i claw up your condom as your syringe cracks beneath my boot you've crashed mm-hmm. on the couch passed out on the porch such a lover such a liar such a brute and you know particularly yeah. delivered in his like scottish drawl. it just sounds amazing i think the song <clears throat> that has the most profound effect on me as a listener is probably tears on tour for very very personal reasons um Over a droning synth and this very simple drum machine and some stirring piano moffat and tones, I cried the day my grandfather no longer knew my face. I wept by the window when he died, and when my mother called long distance to say her mother passed away, I blubbered on the bus I couldn't hide. I've cried at many broken hearts, I've sobbed in countless drinks over girls with faces I barely now recall. I bawled and I bawled on the kitchen floor when living was too much, pick a room, I've wept in them all, but I can't tell you why tonight my eyes are dry. And just that kind of imagery of, you know, his grandfather forgetting his face and all the things that, you know, long term listeners will know happened to me. It was Mm. just a really beautiful, poignant way to put a really miserable, horrible disease, (laughs) which really just obviously that just hits me, you know, really, really hits me. I thought that was a really incredible way to sum something up in a line that is really awful and horrible and life destroying for the person and for those around them, but just to put it in a way that felt really poetic and really beautiful. Mm. I, I yeah. you know, I can't say it's objectively the best, but due to circumstances, it's just obvious that that's going to have a massive impact yeah, on me.
0: The, yeah, of course. And I, I mean, it, that is a fantastic song and I think, yeah. you know, there's the way that they go. I mean, again, it's sort of similar to what we were saying with Nick Cave that, you know often this record can be beautifully poignant and touching and moving and often it can be quite threatening quite nasty sounding you know like I talk about the kind of the face in the dirt and stuff I mean I was once a weak man which um, is basically telling the story of somebody I'm assuming it's a prostitute where he's like oh Mick he, he asks himself and about the kind of again the shame that someone feels being uh you know, being in that situation, and when he's like, oh, every t- he questions as he goes goes to close the door. He, he I don't know the exact lyrics, but something about he closes the door and he question should i be doing this and then he thinks well mick jagger does it and he's older than me and that's yeah. the way that the out and that's the way that the song ends and you're just like oh god it's well, so he's a tip so grit like grim he's you know? a
1: tiptoeing travolta a minging michael that's jackson it. a
0: minging michael jackson
1: lighting up the timbers underfoot and as he silently approaches the bedroom door he wonders as always if maybe he's getting too old for this but as always he concludes well mick jagger does it and he's older than me <laughs>
0: and then the song ends and it does it really like it goes from these kind of really it, it <laughs> again the the dynamics in emotion I mean we t- we talk a lot about dynamics on the show in general but I think certainly what we don't often talk about and this is I mean this is something where I would point out like when you were talking about you know obviously I'm not I'm not shitting on architects so I, I think they're great but when you were saying last week, oh, you know, most of these songs are about the environment and they come at it from one type of perspective and, and that's it. And I was like, well, that's all right. Like, that's what they're passionate about. And that's... But I think it's when you compare it to something like this or something like the Nick yeah. Cave album that you really go, yeah, I mean, actually, that is probably a fair assessment of, yeah. you know, the fact that it's fine to write an album about one thing and one perspective and it'd be that throughout the entirety of the record that's not necessarily a bad doesn't make you a bad band No, but i think what makes what what can make you a great band is if you are able to be that dexterous with your kind of with your the the themes and emotions and uh ideas and viewpoints that you play with in the way that arab strap are here quite quite brilliantly um you know, this is a record mixed with some, like I say, shame and depravity mixed with some genuinely, euphorically beautiful moments. It's, near, it's 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 nigh on perfect, this record, to be honest. I think it's, I mean, we don't give marks out of 10, but I, I, I mean, I think this is, I don't know how good you think it. I mean, I think you obviously feel that it's really, really good. But I mean, I think this is really, 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 really good.
1: I uh, yeah you're su- you're you're vaguely suggesting there that you think it's potentially a 10 out of 10 record and yes potentially I think it may well be it's certainly yeah. a 9
0: certainly a 9 I mean I'm I'm looking at the tracklist in here and I'm like I don't think there's anything at all that I'd change about it and when as I look at the tracklist and I think about what each song is about and what each song does I think it's quite amazing that they managed to get through that amount of stuff I like I know yeah. I'm not I know when we did like when we spoke about other albums that we say this would be a ten out of ten, like Code Orange or Her Name Is Caller or Clipping or whatever. I'm like, this is a ten out of ten. I get really kind of about it, but it's just because this record is so subtle and and different from anything that we've usually spoken about that it almost feels weird to be like, this is fucking amazing. But I, it really is. I think it's gonna, it's gonna take some, it's gonna take some beat in this.
1: Yeah, I, 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 you know, it's always dangerous doing um,
0: <clears throat> predictions to the end of the year, especially in March. But you know, fourth of March, we are in free today as we speak. It's the fourth of March. It's a long way to go yet, but you know, this will probably be in our top twenty, won't it? I can't see any way that it won't. Yeah. I can't imagine how. I mean, if it, if it if this isn't in my top twenty, top twenty, I mean, I was going to say like top. Ten top five. Mm. I mean, top twenty. If this doesn't get in my top twenty this year, this has been a a, a year to break all records. I think. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, I can't imagine. Uh, Yeah, I can't. um, I've said it before. I'm like, oh, I'm. I'm pretty sure this will get in my top twenty. Or I can't imagine this not getting in my top twenty. If this doesn't get in my top twenty, I don't know what has happened. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is. It would be like fucking, you know the wall uh it's like <laughs> yeah and, and i'm gonna, was gonna go and name a load of really good records then, but you know what i'm saying like a load of legitimately classic records yeah and i don't think 20 of them can come out in one year
1: no i'd be really stunned if this isn't in our top 20s yeah it's a it's mm. a phenomenal record it might be my favorite of the rec- record of the year so far potentially
0: yeah i mean i've sort of said that stephen wilson's my favorite so far Stephen Wilson is really, <coughs> really, really different to this. Really very. different. Uh, they're very, almost impossible to kind of compare the two. Um, I do think this is more of a... I think this is certainly more of a, uh, an achievement than Stephen Wilson. I'm not necessarily saying that I enjoy it more because I think it's the Stephen Wilson really enjoyable. just a really mm. fun, enjoyable record. But I, I think in terms of what this does it's certainly more impressive
1: yeah i, I think will that's say fair. that. yeah i think yeah. i'd say that as well it's more um it's more distinctly them not that yeah. the Stephen wilson record is like ripping anyone off or anything like that and it still does sound very distinct but i think you can trace the influences far easier whereas this sounds like arab strap yeah but actually yeah. Uh, the, the Possibly the best version of Arab Strap that I've ever heard. I mean, I've not heard all of their records now, but mm-hmm. I've heard um, Monday at the Hug and Pint, the first two, and this one. Mm-hmm. And those are generally considered the best ones, I think. Yeah. I think. Um, And this is my favourite, so.
0: Well, there you go. Uh, It's out now. It's As Days Get Dark by Arab Strap. I think it's almost certainly sure come the end of the year this will be very very high up. Yeah, in just in most people's estimation. Yeah. If you've got good taste in music that is. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like I don't want to make any assumptions about you uh, or who you listen to. I'm sure there will be lots of people who don't even bother listening to it, but you know, uh, anyone who hears it and is got Taste, taste worth listening to mm. this has got to be very high up i would imagine yeah. um there you go go and bloody listen to that definitely as days get dark by arab start it's out now uh this came out last week and because it was busy we didn't really have a chance to do it but i wanted to do it because again this is a really interesting record and a really interesting band king gizzard and the lizard wizard the album's called lw it's the 17th i actually <laughs> had to check this twice it is the 17th Studio album from the Australian psychedelic rock band, the follow-up to last year's KG album. At seventeen albums over a nine-year period, yeah. Yeah. Jesus fucking Christ! No wonder I don't seem to know who or what this band are, what uh, they sound like, or where they are. I mean, that's a lot of records.
1: I'll be honest with you, Steve. I've always found King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard an extraordinarily intimidating band uh, because because of their just ridiculously vast back catalogue. It's just like, well, where the hell do I start with this? You could broadly call them a psychedelic prog band, although they've actually turned their hands to many different styles over the 11 years that they've been active. Um, LW is their 17th album, as you say. I've always mm-hmm. been curious about them, and I've dipped my toe into their catalogue here and there. Um, in particular, Polygon wanna land which previous podcast guest vlad Makvaykov uh enthusiastic enthusiastically turned me on to as well as their thrash metal album infest the rat's nest from 2019 yeah. which is fun uh but i've always been a little bit apprehensive about diving in head first to this band mm. just because there's so much to them um for the purposes of this review i also checked out the kg album as uh th- th- they're effectively this is effectively a double album Uh, released over four or five months both were recorded in lockdown and are linked together with certain themes Um, so KG starts with a one and a half minute intro titled KGLW whilst LW concludes with an eight minute sort of sabbath aping freak out which is also called KGLW concept that's not a million miles away from system of the downs soldier side from Mm mesmerized and hypnotized even if the execution here is very different. Um, But both albums are stylistically quite similar as well, I would say. Although of the two, I personally found more to like in this album than I did in KG. There's a few songs in KG which I actually found quite irritating. Um, But I I, I say a few, probably two songs out of the ten but um but nothing on here i found irritating at all really from the pitchfork review i thought this is a really good um way to sum up these two records and their and their um relationship to one another they're discrete records but interlocked to form a continuous double album wrapped inside a trilogy kg and lw are being billed as the remaining parts of a triptych that began with 2017's flying mike Microtonal or banana where the band fully embraced the equilibrium upsetting effects of quarter tone tuning Whew. i mean you know this is why i've been scared to approach this band because there's a, a lot going on <laughs> you know like double albums within trilogies within all sorts of things um mm.
0: But the point is, you don't need to know that, do you? You don't. You don't, actually you don't need, need to, to know, know that. that. No. I mean, here's the thing: like I, Luke Morton from Kerrang! told me to listen to Infester Rat's Nest, which <laughs> I did. Luke, actually. So, uh, and I, you know, I remember going, like, "Oh, that's cool." And I didn't really know much about them other than they got a silly name, and you know, they had loads of albums. And they're obviously a very interesting and dexterous band. It's obviously a you know a hell of a like, like you say. It's a lot of albums you even consider thinking about where to start with. Yeah. In my head, they kind of sounded like this. When yes. I heard the name, and I saw a picture of him, I kind of thought they sounded about like this. Psychedelic rock from a sort of bygone era with an oddly contemporary edge to it. All that stuff you've just said, I didn't know that. I didn't listen to the last album to be ah, okay. Um I didn't know that and I, I don't know about the triptych and I don't know about the different fucking, you know, unilateral um, guitar arpeggio fucking freak out <laughs> shit that you're talking about there. I don't yeah. know. But... What I will say, without knowing any of that stuff, is this album is really, really fucking good for an album which I shouldn't really have that much interest in because broadly, I think uh, you and I have less interest in bands who are from the more classic rock, aping side of the world. There are a few that we like and I think what's good about this is that they sort of... Managed to sound like bands like The Doors and Pink Floyd without, you know, I mean, so many bands try and do that without updating it at all, whatsoever. You know, I mean, apart from Muse, who obviously their fearless work both critically and commercially at um, improving Pink Floyd's work, as Renfri discussed on our (laughs) Wall special all the way back. No, I haven't forgotten. But, um, you know, there are so many bands who do this and they just do it, like the Greta Van Fleets and the fucking temperance movements and the rival sons of this world who don't really make being in a rock band sound wild or fantastical or interesting. And, you know, the only band that have really sort of tackled that sort of thing successfully in the quote-unquote modern contemporary era would be a band like the Mars Volta
1: right I'm glad you said the Mars Volta because the Mars Volta came up in my uh, thinking whilst listening to this album a lot Um, even though sonically they are quite different I think there are actually many uh, parallels to be drawn with the Mars Volta so yeah what do you think some of those parallels are
0: well I think just the fact that they make this music from the sort of 60s and early 70s sound really contemporary and exciting yeah yeah absolutely. and I think you know like making it sound wild it's a wild sounding record it's a, like you know this is not you know we, we again to bring up Stephen Wilson again and I did the interview with Stephen Wilson we spoke about what prog rock is and progressive rock should be something that progresses a sound that progresses an idea but it's become a formula like oh you know polyrhythms and blah 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 and although you again although you speak about all those things from the pitchfork review and the fact that this is the second part of an album and they link up and blah blah blah. if you don't know that this album is still very unique sounding yeah very odd sounding i mean you know you you, you've got a song like um see me which opens with steel drums yeah steel drums yeah and
1: plays like the most wicked repeated riff on those steel yeah, drums sounds, like it becomes the centerpiece of the song uh, that song sounds punk. so cool yeah it's it, fucking great
0: and it's like there's so much imagination in that band and there's only really a few bands i think who really draw on that kind of thing and and have drawn on that thing from the late 60s and 70s and made it sound genuinely exciting in the modern era i'm talking about like i said, the Mars of art and mastodon opeth are the th- only really the only three i've got you know, there's not many bands who do that, who I genuinely go, cool, this still sounds cutting edge and yeah. fearsome and exciting and interesting and thoughtful and dexterous. And and, and they, they have all of those things. You know, those kind of the Eastern melodies and the licks on a song like Static Electricity or the opening groove of um, O.N.E. are just brilliant. And they yeah. do sound contemporary and classic at the same time. Yeah. And they do make rock music. Because it's essentially what this is. It's it's, it's it's just rock music, like boiled down to, if we're going to boil it right down to its very essence, it's a hard rock album.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's a hard rock album. And that should sound, you know, should sound fucking boring. Like, I don't want to listen to the answer mm. or, or insert classic rock's favourite new band of, you know, 2020 or whatever. In it. I don't want to listen to that. Yeah. But... They have actually managed to sort of find a way, like I said, by using steel drums, by using eastern melodies, and using different types of instrumentation, by just letting everything bleed out and sound fucking wild as well. They just, you know, it's what I liked about Mother Vulture. When I went to see Mother Vulture, and I was like, "God, this is so fucking exciting!" is because it was untamed and wild and exciting, and you know that style of classic rock music is bloated and dull and ploddy and fat and mm. exhausted and tired now and it's so great to hear a band who are none of those things and yeah. this album is 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 genuinely great i mean that last song that eight minutes of ugly yeah. sludgy stomping <laughs> riffs and just brilliantly doomy mastodonny like brent hines riffing over the top of this doomy stomp it's fucking glorious it's man brilliant. it's brilliant glorious I, I called
1: it sabbath worship but i mean that song could go toe to toe with most of sabbath's best songs i think it's fucking brilliant you know um just the way that it unfurls um and then you've got a song like uh, east west link which starts as if it was soundtracking the tense build-up uh, to a shootout in a western you know before gaining momentum with a tabla and a searing guitar solo in the song's midsection. There's so many, like, cool elements that are all kind of mixed up and spat out on this record. And I think the band embraced many of the prog rock tropes that detractors of the genre would find eye-rolling, but by approaching them with the unabashed enthusiasm that they do, they managed to come up with something that sounds really compelling whilst very rarely spilling over into self-indulgence. They manage to keep all their ideas short enough and sharp enough and succinct enough to continue to be interesting. On this album, there's nine songs. Only three exceed the five-minute mark, and every song progresses and shifts like malleable forms in almost quite subtle ways. That means the song's conclusion is always a good hop, skip and a jump away from the song's beginning. Um, and just like the band themselves the music on LW is governed by perpetual forward motion and I think that's what makes it exciting it doesn't that's why it's not ploddy because it feels like it's always going somewhere and it always has a direction um Mm. but you know I mean (laughs) the beginning of um O.N.E reminded me of the last of the summer wine theme when it first came in <laughs> yeah. you know but but it but it actually sounds really cool Fucking
0: hell, i know now you said that i'm like oh god jesus it, 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 there was something i was like yeah this is a bit something a bit hovis ad about this
1: yeah but but it, but they make it work brilliantly especially mm. like the way that the song progresses it's just fucking wicked like it's a brilliant brilliant um brilliant track um couple of tributes to incubus on this record which is nice to see uh the first track is called if not now then when surely a tribute to the incubus album of almost the same name and there's shitloads of bongos on it which is surely another nod to brandon yeah.
0: boyd yeah there is quite a lot of bongos not they, they don't go full didgeridoo then so no. they're, they're not as good as incubus we're not saying that god um, <laughs> who are um, but yeah, but there's, you know, there's, uh, there's lots of, I think that's the thing I, you know, I, I, I do like that. I know you're joking when you say that they're like incubus, but I mean, oh, I'm really not. <laughs> I definitely am. Yeah. yeah. But I think it's the amount of sounds. Of, um, do you remember listening to rock albums and, you know, whether it was Soundgarden or, you know, like I just, there'd be lots of different things going on yeah on so many of those records, whether it's Soground or the wild Arts or King's X or whatever around that time it's like when I feel like these albums come out now and you just get 12 ploddy or you get 11 ploddy stomping or we want rock and roll like really boring bloated songs and then a couple of like acoustic cowboy numbers. Come on, that's a bit Corey um, Taylor, isn't it? I was
1: about to say that's a bit unfair on Corey Taylor. Uh, I mean, it's, not, it's not that. It's, it's not that
0: good. It's not.
1: It's not unfair on him though at all. Um, no. Yeah, absolutely. Um, th- this record just sounds so much more exciting than any of that stuff, and I kind mm. of feel a bit silly for not having gone in on king gizzard and the lizard wizard more ha- beforehand I, I, it might be that name as well i mean i, I really should have learned by now that you cannot judge a band by their name but there's always a slight yeah. thing of like
0: well oh, i did i looked at him i was like you look at him and you go you're a yeah okay king gizzard and the lizard wizard and you are also dressed like that and you yeah. play apparently you're a sort of psychedelic progressive rock band and i was like oh, sounds a bit sounds a bit classic rock to me there's a lot so of I warning rival sons yeah. yeah there's
1: a lot of warning signs that go
0: off aren't there when you
1: kind of initially see it but um you should get past those because there are some great songs on this record i think the, mm. the album as a whole is really fantastic it's interesting when i first heard it and i first put it on and if not now then when it started coming in with a lot of bluster and noise and general tomfoolery i i thought Oh god, we're going to be in for a very long forty-two minutes, aren't we? But I was—I was completely wrong. <laughs> um it, it kind First, of...
0: listen to this. I was so in. Yeah. Oh, oh! By by the end, Do you of know what I mean. By the, end, year. Like, by the end, you're end like, you're like, this thing. is. I just want to put it straight on again. I yeah. Think it's fucking. I think it's fucking great. This record. Yeah. Fucking it's great.
1: It's a fantastic record. It's really, really good.
0: Three for three, isn't it? Pretty good. Uh, I, I would probably
1: say. Whilst I'm obviously not an expert on this band, neither of us are. I think this is a
0: pretty good starting point for them. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, I have no idea for the rest of them. It's so much stuff, but certainly like um, you like this album. You will like, if you like rock music, you'll like this album. Yeah. I I mean, I will say that. I don't know if it's a good starting point for their entire back catalog, but I mean, it's a good starting point for listening to this album because this album is really fucking great. Yeah. So let's see. Um... LW by King Is and the Lizard Wizard is out now. Let's go on to our last album of the week. Uh, I kind of feel a little bit sorry for. We've had three three albums that are minimum nine out of ten. I would say this week. Um, And there's Tiger's Jaw as well. Tiger's Jaw, I Won't Care How You Remember Me, is the sixth studio album from the emo rock band from Scranton, Pennsylvania, the follow-up to 2017 Spin album, which I have never heard. I do, like I say, feel sorry for Tiger's Jaw this week because they are really, as the last band, the last album of the week, they are really up against it here after three albums of, I would say, near perfect quality. (laughs) exceptional quality of of music that we've had this week in these last three records and then tiger's jaw for me is a perfectly fine enjoyable indie emo record i think in any other week we would be pretty kind to
1: this record and i don't think either of us are going to rubbish it uh, because there's, there's nothing to rubbish this is a good record um but it is yes the previous three records that we have talked about are all Fucking brilliant um and this is just a really good version of uh this kind of sound um when tiger's jaw formed they cited fallout boy and my chemical romance as early musical influences oh <laughs> that means steve's gonna hate
0: it <laughs> um I, 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 I quite like my chemical romance I think they're all right. yeah i don't like my chemical romance and I,
1: I, there's a couple of fall that boy albums which i think are great as well um you like, but, you like the
0: hardcore album ones, <laughs> really.
1: um but personally i don't think there's too much to hate here at all this is um well-composed emo in a similar vein to basement or make do amend or glitterer who we covered last week or mm-hmm. spanish love songs even to a degree i love how the opening song um the title track i won't care how you remember me builds from a really subtle quiet beginning and ends sounding really anthemic and big um and they have two vocalists this band ben walsh and brianna collins and i think whenever brianna takes over on lead vocals on songs such as cat's cradle or lemon mouth or commit i think that makes her a really nice diversity it breaks up the songs a little bit so Mm -hmm. i think she does lead on four of the 11 tracks and it just breaks it up nicely to hear those two different vocals interestingly they never seem to intersect with one another like they they never do they happen at the both time at any point? Are both both uh, at the same time
0: this record? Not, I not that I not that I can remember, to be honest. Yeah. Um yeah. But it's yeah, I, I like the fact that you've got two quite distinct and different voices on the yeah. same record. And yeah. you know, I think this is there's some nice songs in here. You yeah. know, this is this is I think there's bands that we often mention in conjunction with a lot of this stuff who might do it slightly better. I think when you think of bands like Menzingers and we spoke about the Hold Steady a couple of weeks ago, Hold Steady is slightly different, but you know, this is a far poppier version i actually kind of I, like when they're really really upbeat i think they're they're actually much better that's when i think they're at their strongest you mentioned cat's cradle and i think that kind of sounds like okay go covering where is my mind by the pixies <laughs> <laughs> um and you know it starts really well i think that the cat's cat's uh cat's cradle into hesitation hesitation's got a really great riff on it and when there's a bit of chug in them think and they they go then they go there's they're great you know there's some really great kind of jimmy world style um moments on can't wait forever Mm. and there's like you mentioned lemon mouth was one of the ones Mm -hmm. you said i think that's really good as well that's got a bit more of a kind of nada surf alternative rock thing to it and that that punk drum part that opens it is is really good and you know for the most part this is really good i think they do get a little bit saccharine for me occasionally Mm -hmm. just occasionally commit is a bit too saccharine for me i actually found the opening to be a little bit too weedy oh really i I know i know it builds up but i I was like you want to get you want to get cracking here lads Mm. it's borderline it's borderline for me but for me they
1: stay just on the right side of it um for for my taste but yeah I, i can understand that i think that's a fair enough thing to say um I think this is a good record I have to confess Tigers Draw are an older band than I thought they were I didn't really I mean this is their sixth studio album and in my head they were on maybe like their second or third album or something like that I think if wow. this
0: what an I- what an idiot you are I
1: feel like a fucking stupid fool um I think if this had been their second or third record I'd be a lot more excited about it um but the fact that it's their sixth I'm kind of like hmm it's likely that they've already peaked you know i mean it's not for definite but you know they they probably already peaked and Mm. they're probably you know there might be stuff in their back catalogue which is better than this but they're probably not going to do an album which is much better than this which kind of makes me think that they'll always be like you know second division rather than um uh top of the league kind of thing or top of the top leagues top Uh, of the top (laughs) leagues Top of the pops leagues, um, but uh, I don't think you know. I, for example, I don't think I think they're as good as a band as say Basement or something like that. But I don't think they're as good as Basement are on their best record. So Basement's best record, in my opinion, is probably Color Me Kindness, which is fucking mm-hmm. amazing. Um, or I don't know, Make Do and Mend. Like I think they're as good as Make Do and Mend are normally, but when Make Do and Mend are on it, then probably. They're, they're slightly better, you
0: know. It's a good point about them being six albums in. I mean, to put it into a much bigger band's perspective, six albums in for Jimmy Eat World's career is Chase This Light, which is not the strongest Jimmy Eat World album, but they'd already made three, at least three yeah. fucking great records at that yeah. point. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, but that's got a few good songs on it. I It's like, got always been...
1: Hey, yeah, I like Chase this Light. Far
0: from me to reach. It's got that on its not it? <laughs> Yes, She's in love with me. She is always Right behind what's happening. Clap, clap, clap. <laughs> you know that? Yeah, I, that do, I do.
1: Yeah. I do. Yeah, I like. I like that. I, that is a decent album. But you mm-hmm. know, that is kind of the
0: clarity bleed American and futures just before it. That's
1: the thing. It's kind of like it's yeah. in the middle. It's probably firmly in the middle of like my favorite Jimmy Eat World albums i'd yeah. say it's probably like my fifth favorite or something like that but it's good when it when it's good it's very dizzy it's great
0: yeah uh, yeah you know this is this is not a bad record i mean i do it does make me think maybe there is like a a a classic that we yeah. haven't heard and they've just sort of they're now going okay well this is the thing that we do and we're doing it with not bad results i mean again like say chase is like no one's been like that is the gym you play that in full quite yeah yeah it, so it, there it, might, maybe there is i mean i don't know i've never listened to tiger's jaw before i always uh, need a name but no i'm the, i'm the same
1: li- and and if this is their chase this light and uh uh listeners are more familiar with tiger's jaw and they have better records than this then i would definitely like to know about them so please at us and let us know um but um yeah i mean i i think this is a decent record and i do i like it but we've got three records which i love this week as well mm-hmm. um so it's difficult to uh but you know for for this kind of thing and for what they're doing it, this is very good it's a very good album i would say
0: yeah i think it's good i think it's pretty good uh it's called I, I mean i don't see unlike i mean here's another comparison like unlike the hold steady record that we did a couple of weeks ago which brought a bit of a different flavor to that band and i thought has got some of their some of the materials i think some, some of the strongest material yeah maybe not the strongest material but certainly material which i felt was different enough and super strong that i would definitely go back to that record in probably in full yeah i don't really feel like that about this particularly i have to be perfectly honest but that's not to say that it's bad that's just to say that um this, anyway, def- this is this is
1: definitely not as good as that hold steady record even though they're
0: slightly different things they're not
1: a million miles apart but the, yeah it's not as good as that hold Steady record but it is good and it yeah, is it's worth good. it's worth checking out if you like the sort of thing absolutely mm.
0: it's called i won't care how you remember me by tiger's jaw doesn't sound like they're gonna care whether we remember them or not <laughs> <laughs> no so that's fine <laughs> uh good anyway we'll be back next week that's the end of the show thank you very much for listening next week we're going to be talking to robert zombie esq not talking to him talking about him <laughs> i was gonna say <laughs> have we secured that interview and you not told me no <clears> rob <throat> no, Ro- rob zombies new album is out next week so probably something about i don't know robot penguins and zo- the zombified reanimated corpses of like Ham sandwiches and all that kind of stuff. we we'll talking about Yeah, that it's it's
1: called the Lunar Injection Kool-Aid Eclipse Conspiracy.
0: That does sound like a Rob Zombie album to be, I mean it's because it is. Very much but, does. Yeah, very is, much I mean, it, does. He's obviously not uh it's not going to be a massive um stylistic change. Stylistic change by the looks of that record no. title. Uh anyway, but we both like Rob Zombie, I think. Yeah, so yeah, good. yeah. I, Go. I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing it me too go over to signaturebrew.co.uk you can put riot act in small capitals in the checkout for 10% off your beverages may i recommend the coffee porter if you want to make your friends squeal like a little girl because they're (laughs) very nice and we will be back next week go over to our patreon page you're going to get the smashing pumpkins special coming out on monday if you're listening to this podcast the day that it came out and you'll be getting (laughs) the end of glass jaw as well the last ever (laughs) glass jaw that'll be coming later in the week as well so Look forward to that, and we'll be back next week with a bit of. Oh, yeah, 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 <laughs>